1: I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. And at the end of each show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. You know, we always want to know how somebody got to where they are and what caused them to pass through their barriers and become who they decided to become and how they found their genius. Tonight's expert is Marjorie Wildcraft, who has done the most remarkable job in sharing her ability to grow her own groceries, along with her sustainability knowledge with others. Marjorie Wildcraft is the founder of the Grow Network, which is an online home of a global community of people who produce their own food and medicine. The purpose of the Grow Network is to stop the destruction of the earth. Homegrown food on every table is the solution. Marjorie was featured as an expert in sustainable living by National Geographic and she's the host of the Mother Earth News online homesteading summit and is a regular guest on Coast to Coast AM and Backwards Home Magazine Radio. She works with groups such as the Transition Town Movement and the Organic Consumers Organization, which is Millions Against Monsanto. Many people in the survival and preparedness community fully endorse her work, such as the host of the Survival Podcast and Jim Rollis, perhaps the most famous survivalist in the world. She is best known for her video series, Grow Your Own Groceries, which has over half a million copies in use by homesteaders, foodies, preppers, universities, and missionary organizations around the world. To find out more about her network, it would be online, thegrownetwork.com. Marjorie currently resides in Texas, yet she's mostly exploring the world, sharing how to grow foods in different environments. Marjorie's name indicates that she has fairness issues. In other words, she wants the world to be in a fair place. Thus, she will do all she can to make sure people are treated fairly. She shares this trait with last week's guest, uh, Bernard Morin. Her name also indicates that she's brilliant, especially in the area of getting others to be independent and able to do their own work. She, too, is quite independent. All names have challenges, and her name indicates that she's overly generous, and thus others may attempt to take advantage of her good nature. Thus, she has to learn how to share while maintaining her boundaries. Marjorie is incredibly generous in sharing all that she has spent years learning regarding being able to be self-sustaining by growing your own groceries. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show, Marjorie.
2: Oh, my gosh, Sharon, after listening to that, I'm like, wow, I'd really like to meet her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're so cute. You
2: know,
1: you've been involved in so many projects, educating people in the area of food. Marjorie, would you tell us quickly what your current project is?
2: Uh, Right at the moment, we're trying to come up with a way to have absolutely beginners who know nothing about growing food get started and be empowered and be successful and uh, i'm really excited about that we're going to start out with well we've got two quizzes we're developing one is what kind of grocery shopper are you and then you, you find out that really doesn't matter what kind you are all the food in the grocery store is toxic you really need to grow your own
1: <laughs> you mean, you the You vegetables and the fruits i mean i know that i only shop one aisle in the grocery market and that's the you know the vegetables and the fruits but you're saying even that's toxic
2: Even there's a lot of yeah, like for example, strawberries are just totally laden with, with chemicals, and um, you know some others are real surprising, like bell peppers. Uh, Actually, we're just about to post a blog post at thegrownetwork.com on like the dirty dozen that you wouldn't think about in the grocery store. Uh so we're gonna we'll we'll have that if you go subscribe and get on our newsletter, I'll, that that article will come out to you. But um it's shocking. Yeah, I mean you you you're thinking, Well I'm getting fresh vegetables and even if you get the organic ones there's still problems. I just I was just doing an interview with Mike Adams over at the Natural News and he has built this whole laboratory to test for heavy metal and pesticides, basically doing the job the FDA is not doing. Like, I mean it's amazing the work he's doing. And he has believe me, that guy I went to interview him. He's wearing a 45 on his hip. I'm like, Mike, are you a little overly paranoid? But then when I found out what he was doing, I was like, yeah, I think I see why. <laughs> you know? Anyway, he's, uh, he's testing even organic produce and finding like heavy metals in them or or, or chemicals or things. that. So you know, it's a really bad world out there, I hate to say, in terms of health. But there's a really good empowering aspect of it, and that is, You don't need the military-industrial-government complex to feed yourself. You can do it in your own backyard or on your patio. And that's
1: what we want to find out more about when we come back. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. After the break, we'll find out why Marjorie's um, got some people to eat insects and other objects that Marjorie calls food and what she's actually eaten and served to others besides finding out more about what's in our grocery stores.
3: I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.HolisticCancerFoundation.com.
4: Is it science or is it magic? Once a magical thing has been scientifically proven, is it no longer magic? Or is magic simply the science of tomorrow? Join me, Gwilda Wiaka, on the Science of Magic, a syndicated radio program dedicated to combining the science and magic of today's dynamic and controversial topics to co-create new solutions. By triangulating information from today's leading experts from the scientific and magical fields, we uncover expansive and evolutionary truths you won't find anywhere else. Join us daily on the ExON Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview the shared thoughts with the amazing guests from both science and magic. The resulting knowledge is unprecedented. As a gift to you, the listener, past episodes can be accessed on our website, free of charge at thescienceofmagic.net.
1: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Marjorie Wildcraft, the GrowNetwork.net. Marjorie, before the break, uh, we mentioned that you'd eaten insects and all of that, and I so want to get into that. But first, I have this burning question. You just shocked us with the eating out the best, the one aisle in the grocery store, and thinking that we're eating really well. And then that food's not even safe. Is there some kind of a solution or something that we could dunk or soak our vegetables in that would take away those toxins? Or are we just out of luck altogether unless we're growing our own? Or even getting food at like a a farmer's market or something? Talk to us about that first, and then I want to get into how you eat insects.
2: Yeah, sometimes you can. Um, You know, just make sure you're washing your vegetables really well, and, and that can remove the a lot of the things they sprayed on But there's also a lot of pesticides and herbicides That they're using that are Systemic to the plant um, Or you know like Roundup ready plants have all kinds of Stuff on it but yet you know They're conventional vegetables that are grown So you know it's the it's whole thing And as I said go uh, you know, Sign up for the newsletter at thegrownetwork.com. And I'm, I'm working on articles of like What's safe to eat in the grocery store And what isn't right? <laughs> and oh. I promise to get those those blog posts up for you but it is bad it it really is bad sharon and i know most people are thinking they're doing the best they can um and you know farmers markets are also a step in the right direction but you know you don't all you know you have to go vet the farmer and you don't always know if what they're selling you is organic or not you know i mean there's a lot of unethical processes and i'm not saying and there's a bunch of legitimate farmers too but you know, it's kind of like a free market, or it's kind of like a gun show. Have you ever been to a gun show? I mean, you do like you go in, knowing you're likely going to get ripped off by somebody, right? You know, I love gun <laughs> shows, but it's you know, it's one of the you know, it's like that. So, um, you know, we really are in a bad situation, Sharon. We really are and uh, And growing your own food is is really the solution, in my humble opinion. Now, you know, should you be uh, trying to eat only from the the outer perimeter now, and should you be trying to eat organics? and should you be trying to go to the farmers' market and all this stuff? because it's gonna take you a while to learn to grow your own food? Absolutely, because those those are higher quality foods than than just the conventionally grown stuff. So yes, there are steps to take. Um, now, do city not, people have yeah. it
1: worse off than people that are living out in the country? Or are all the grocery stores the same all the way around?
2: They're, they're pretty much the same everywhere. I mean, even I love Whole Foods and I love, you know, Central Market and some of these more upscale things. but And they often have a better selection of produce that's local or organic. But, you know, a lot of their products are also, you know, they, they try to adhere to a higher standard. but But they're, you know... They're also a lot more expensive. Good Lord.
1: (laughs) And and Dr. Mitch Gen, who was one of the guests, and he's an anti-aging doctor on the show, he said that in the last, when they're processing the meat, like the chicken, even the ones organically grown, during the last two weeks when they're processing, they put arsenic in them. So even though they've been grown wonderfully, they're still not wonderful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, There's all kinds of stuff that goes. And, And the organic standard has been usurped by big business like in the last decade and and the standards are now to the letter of the law. They're not the spirit of what you think is. And there are, still are some small growers that are sustainable and that are, are, you know, doing it in the right way with a lot of care for the earth. But you got to look for them. And there's almost, to be honest with you, there's almost like a black market in good quality food. Right? We're really, we're at that day and age. The Weston Price Nutrition Foundation has a whole bunch of chapters, and usually the people in that are the ones organizing to find good food in your community, like um, picking a cow that they know was raised on grass and then having it butchered and sharing it, or they have raw milk delivery, or they'll, they'll be sourcing organic foods. So, it's, so what um, was the
1: name of that organization again?
2: It's called the Weston Price Nutrition Foundation. And uh, their their founder and president is uh, Sally Fallon, and she's written a wonderful book called Nourishing Traditions, which teaches you how to cook in the old ways. And uh, she's an amazing woman. She's an amazing woman with a big backbone, man. She has gone up against big industry for years because, you know, what the diet they're touting is not healthy. And she's saying this: these are the diets we know that are healthy, and how we know it is not necessarily because of science. It's because this is the way people had been in those regions eating for you know, um, centuries or millennia, and they were healthy individuals. (laughs) So that's how she knows their healthy diets, right? And I'm like, okay, I I can go for that proof, right, you know? (laughs) Right. Okay,
1: so you're saying even vet the local farmers. I wouldn't even know what questions to ask them to vet them out.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so, and you know, the organic standards was supposed to do that for you, but as I said, that got usurped as big business started to really take over that "quote unquote" brand of organic. Yeah, it's a tough world out there, isn't it, Sharon? But you know, it really is. Podcast. Yeah. So, so if I'm going to go you you check know, but, out a farmer, but, but, what would I, I ask around, him? I mean, I'm I'm 54 years old, and I remember, and I don't want to be offend anybody out there, but I remember when you know. A person who was overweight was pretty rare. And now, you know... A person person who's who's not not
1: overweight is pretty rare.
4: Pretty rare.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, you know. So, you know, we've seen it with our own eyes. I mean, you and I are old enough that we have seen that change in the population, and it's really directly attributable to the quality of the food supply plummeting, I believe. And I, I, I think it's pretty obvious to anybody who's got you know, half a brain and is looking at it. So you want to know what to ask your farmer? I can jump back to that. You know, ask him yes. if, if he's growing organically. Ask him if he uses any um, chemicals um, or chemical fertilizers. Um, you know, a, a, you know, ask him to come by sometime. And even if you don't intend to, it's always interesting to see what they say, right? Um, right, and see if they get defensive or not. right. And, you know, um, those are some real good basic ones to start with. And and if they're really growing well, they'll want to let you know. And they'll tell you what they're doing and why and how and where they get the fertility. And you, you, you... You may be surprised that you might not want to hear all of that, but <laughs> it's good to know, right? <laughs> but you know, I was shocked. I went to Dallas a while ago and they had this gigantic, I mean like acres of covered land for their farmers market and I was like, Woohoo and it's open seven days a week and I thought, My God, this is gonna be amazing and I go there and like ninety nine percent of all the stalls are um uh, people that have brought food up from Mexico and are reselling it in the farmers' market, and it's all conventionally grown stuff, and there's only a small area where they have local farmers who are really growing sustainably and organically selling, and the whole most of the market is stuff that they've they've brought up from Mexico, which is conventionally grown, which is the same stuff well, that's in the grocery store.
1: I was going to say, I know a lot of people that live on the border, like in Yuma, Arizona, and different places in Texas that they're on the border of Mexico. And they say not only do they get better food quality, they do their shopping across the border all the time. They go once a week, do their shopping. It's less expensive, and it's better quality.
2: And I thought, I would, yeah, but would, what about
1: the rest of us who don't live that close to a border?
2: Well, also, okay. a lot of stuff grown in Mexico is also grown the way it's grown here, and they're using chemicals and stuff. So, I, you know, it's you really, it's not you a really guarantee, have to huh? watch out. Right. <laughs> okay. So what I, we all want to know right. is
1: how did you get other people to eat snails, roaches, grasshoppers and other insects?
2: Oh God. Well I did not get it. well, there was one guy who ate a roach, but I had no involvement in that. He did it on his own and I was totally disgusted. Um, it happened uh <laughs> quite a few years ago. I was like uh realizing that the potential for economic collapse in the United States is pretty dang good, right? And um And I did a lot of interviews with people who had survived different types of collapse, like in Cuba. the Cubans in 1990 when the Soviet Union fell apart. They lost all of their trade with the Soviet Union. North Korea, the same thing. Um, Argentina just went through a currency collapse a couple of decades ago. Um, People that have survived civil wars, and and then I've read a ton with, you know, like especially Africa, there's all kinds of stuff that's always happening, and here in the United States, um, our civil war uh, was pretty tough, especially in the South, and then also Weimar Germany, so I'm looking at all these scenarios, and I'm like, what? You know, I mean, we all think in economic collapse we're going to be, you know, we see those pictures of people with wheelbarrows full of money, and I thought, well, if I get a couple of wheelbarrows, won't I be covered, right? You know? (laughs) But it turns out Yes, you do need to learn how to use a gun and, and, and be more um, situationally aware and work on defense. Yes, getting your health care and medicine, and you know that's going to become more difficult, and it's really good to have some medical skills. But the most number one biggest thing that people talked about or wrote about under these situations of duress was that they were starving. Like they food became the biggest issue, and I thought, well, okay, so I should learn how to grow food, right? and um it it's it, you know it's not like it wasn't real easy for me, <laughs> so I went through this whole process um you know since then, I don't really think that you know i mean I recognize that collapse is is definitely still i mean the u s government's still bankrupt right but i I don't um live in that much you know fear of it now because i like well, partly because I'm growing my own food and partly because that's what my life's work is is to teach other people how to grow their own food. The more of us that know how to do this, the easier this transition is going to be. So I'm really glad it didn't happen, although I was completely freaked out in 2008, right? (laughs) Well, that was a scary
1: time, people, you know, when the real estate market crashed. And there was a lot of – it affected a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah so and, how did you get yeah. started in growing food what started you in that direction it was just what you were reading and so you said hey, okay i need to protect myself or did you also say hey this also is a healthier choice for me so let me see what i can do
2: oh yeah that you know the healthy aspects of it sure, certainly came But uh, there was one pivotal story. I used to think, well, I'll just organize all the local farmers, right? You know, because I wasn't like, who wants to work, right? You know? (laughs) Right. And um, it was a program to get uh, organic food, local organic food, into the local elementary school. And we were meeting, and everybody was so excited. And it was a volunteer group of us. And that whole thing completely failed and fell apart. And the main reason why was. You know, we all have this assumption that there's food growing out in the countryside, but it is not true. And the the whole thing this fell apart because there weren't enough farmers um, in Bastrop County for one small elementary school. And I realized, you know, all those Willie Nelson concerts to save the family farm, well, didn't work. There are hardly there's hardly any food growing out in the countryside. So if anything ever happens. You can't go out in the countryside and, you know, steal it from the farmers. (laughs) There ain't no farmers. And that's when I knew I was going to have to start growing food, and I was going to have to start teaching other people how to grow food because that's just too essential for us to know as a species, right?
1: Well, and I think everyone once knew, and I think we've lost it.
2: Yeah, we have. But, you know, along the way, I have gotten incredibly healthy. Like, I no longer have allergies, which used to knock me out for about three months of the year. I'm much more tolerant of heat and cold. I can run distances now. I can lift weights. You know, I'm just um so much healthier and stronger and and just so empowered and in love with the whole process of growing food that it has completely changed for me. So I got in out of out of out of gloom and doom but now I just it's just the sheer joy and love of it.
1: That's so fantastic. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. After the break, we'll find out how Marjorie treated herself after being bitten by a venomous copperhead snake.
4: Ancient prophecies, legends, and current events indicate we're entering a high-frequency era supporting enlightenment. During expansive times, old rules fail, necessitating access to the ever-shifting currents of life for guidance. There's an ancient form of shamanism through which we can obtain the information we need. I'm Gwelda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School, with a great new provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow, is an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes designed to guide and support you and your family during these times of transition. Embrace the magic. Empower your life. Study Galactic Shamanism at FindYourPathHome.com.
1: I'm back i'm sharon lynn wyeth and you're listening to know the name know the genius in you our guest tonight is marjorie wildcraft whose website is the marjorie would you tell us how you successfully treated yourself after getting bitten by a copperhead snake and any of the things that you need to prepare to treat a venomous snake bite at home for anyone who's living out there where snakes are about that they may have to worry yep. about too
2: absolutely we can do that there are five things that you need to do and when you've prepared these five you you're you're going to be equipped to to treat this kind of thing so yeah i was it was two years a uh, year and a half ago in june and i was out i was bare, I i'm a barefooter and um i was out and i was in the tomato patch and this gigantic tomato patch full of And I was just harvested this one beefsteak tomato. I mean, really, this thing, I had to have two hands to hold. It was ginormous. It was perfect. It's the most beautiful tomato I have ever grown in my entire life. And I thought, wow. And the whole tomato thing was just, the patch was this overgrown jungle. And I said, I wonder if there's another one like this in there. And so I just kind of blindly went into the tomato patch. And I was violating the number one rule in homesteading in life, and that is, don't put your hands and feet where you can't see them, right? But I was like, is there another tomato like this in here? And um, then I like felt like it was like felt like I was stabbed in my foot, and I thought, um, wow. And then and and just when that hit me, I kind of jerked my foot, you know, the way you do when there's a reaction, and I thought it was a vine, and I kind of shook my foot, but it whatever it was just dug in deeper for a second and then finally it was gone and i thought boy that feels just like a cat briar vine and i thought dang i've been but then i thought wait a minute this is my garden i don't have any cat briars growing in here and i was like oh, i wonder what that was so i looked down there and the snake by then was long gone but i saw the two puncture holes about three eighths of an inch quarter yeah about three eighths of an inch apart and then a single drop of blood and I knew I had been snake bitten and the first thing when you get snake bitten is to look all around and see if you can see the snake And, um, and that is the first thing to do to prepare to be able to treat a venomous snake bite at home and that is know the snakes and the hazards in your region. So I know that there are no rattlesnakes in my area, even though Texas is famous for them. They don't like the sand we have. And I do know that there are coral snakes that are incredibly lethal, but their mouths are so small it's very difficult to get bitten by them. And copperhead snakes are venomous and it can be lethal, um, and they are the one that's most common. And they're the primary venomous snake here. So I was really delighted to see that there wasn't any coral snake around because they're obvious. They're like real bright red and black. Um, But, you know, the copperhead was long gone. And I said, well, maybe it was a rat snake or something like that. You know, I might get lucky because those guys aren't venomous and you might, you know, you just got a little couple puncture wounds and just treat it and be careful. But by the time I walked back to the house... The pain was kicking in, and that's, for me, the sign. It was, you know, I talked to my husband. I said, "Hun, i I've, I've been bit by a snake. He goes, did you see it? Because we both know the protocol, right? And I said, nope, didn't see it. And he says, is it hurting? I said, yep. And he came over and looked at it. He goes, yeah, probably copperhead. So, um, you know, that's the first thing. Know, know what the, the snakes are. The other is to have an action plan for treatment. So um, he and I, you know, he looked at me, and, and he knew. I was not going to the hospital now three years ago he had gotten bitten and that's what he wanted to do so we treated him that way and i'll get back to that story at the end but we you know he said what do you want to do and i said let's pulp us and um, he said okay and we talked about the materials but he was going to uh, prickly pear is the best so he harvested that and i said "Hun, even though i should be laying down immediately i'm like dripping sweat like and i know this is going to be an event So I'm going to go take a shower real quick, and then I'll lay down here. And in our home, the living room is kind of when somebody's really sick or hurt or something, that becomes where we take care of people, and it's the center of the house, and you need care, and and that way everybody can be caring for you, right? And so uh, I took a quick shower and then laid down in the living room, and he got to work with uh, doing the poultice material. Now, I had recently created a video called Treating Infections Without Antibiotics that teaches you all how to do this. And um, I said, he doesn't really know as much the medicine as I do because I'm kind of the primary medicine caregiver. And I said, hon, you watch that video and you'll know how to, how to make the poultice. So he popped that in and he and my daughter were, were doing that. And, um, but basically we had a plan. And the other thing is, is he, right as soon as he saw I was bit, he looks at the clock and he goes 7.20. And then as, as the thing was going on, he would like look at the size of the swelling and he'd go, it's 8 o'clock and we're seeing the ankle swelling. And, you know, he's making these notes, and we both know because, you know, he's just talking it aloud, and we're both hearing it and remembering it. Because if we do end up going to the hospital, which is our backup, backup, last case, those are the kind of questions they're going to ask you. He's also asking me, what's your pain level on a scale from 1 to 10? And uh, that's another piece of information that we're just both checking in with. So have a plan of action. That's your second piece and then the third piece is have a backup plan. And our backup plan was he would take me to the hospital. We we knew that. So um, you know, every plan needs to have a backup plan. So The fourth thing is, is I do have my own medicine. I know how to make a poultice. The thing is, is you need to have your own medicine and know how to do it. So I didn't start out trying to treat venomous snake bites or cancer or anything like that. I started out with little small wounds or cuts or a sprained ankle or, you know, something that, you know, my life didn't depend on it, right? So I learned this medicine. I learned how to use it, and I trust it, and I know it. So that's the fourth thing. Is you know start using this medicine now and use it on small stuff, you know, and 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 realize that it really is true, and and build up your your confidence in it, and then the fifth thing was. I know my own body. I've been growing half of my own food, for a lot of years, and and I can show you how to grow half in your backyard in less than an hour a day. Uh, actually, we're about to release a product on that with the Grow Network. So just you know subscribe to the newsletter and we'll get you up to date as soon as I have that. Available. But my immune system is strong, right? I know that. I, I feel very strong. I do a lot to, to develop my gut bacteria, ferment my own vegetables. I know that I'm eating really, really well, really quality, high nutritionally dense foods. So I'm not somebody who's at risk. And that is the fifth part of the plan. So if I review those steps real quick, one is you want to know the snakes and the hazards in your region. You know, the spiders, the snakes, the scorpions the whatever it is in your region right that can possibly get you have a plan of action for the treatment you know know what you're going to be doing in my case I'm using poulticing and and if you want to learn that get that um, video set or the DVD we have treating infections without antibiotics and it will treat it'll show you exactly how to start doing this have a backup plan for us we said we'd know we'd go to the hospital Use your own medicine and be comfortable with it for a long time. Trust it and know it before you try to do something at this level of of trauma, right? So that's the fourth thing. And the fifth thing is, you know, really work on your immune system. And I highly, there's nothing that will make you stronger and more healthier on this planet than growing your own food. Start growing your own food. And again, if you want, I'll, I'll show you how to grow half of your own food in your backyard in less than an hour a day. And that's a product we're releasing um, you know, early next year. So get on our newsletter and you'll be the first to know about it. And we'll, we'll probably have a discount for everybody who buys it first. How's that? <laughs> anyway, that I did treat it. Yeah. yeah. And it was um, And you're doing great today. I was up and walking around. Yeah. So
1: are snakes more common than most of us think?
2: You know, I live in Texas. It's a real warm climate. I think they're pretty common in warm climates. I think the further up north you go, the less common they are. And, you know, I haven't lived everywhere, but that's the thing. Number one, know the hazards in your region, right?
1: right. So, well, much, um, yeah. How many mistakes did you go through on your way to knowing what to do to grow food? I mean, I know you have this fabulous video out there that's Grow Your Own Groceries, and you make it look so easy and like, oh, anybody can do this. And I know you've gotten a lot of praise for that, especially on the video, especially from one of your biggest fans is Alec Jones of Infowars.com, who says of your video, and I'm quoting him, is for anyone who wants to get out of the control grid, and he highly recommends it. But I just keep thinking, you have so simplified it and made it so easy for the rest of us. And I thought, mm-hmm. and how many mistakes did she make and able to go through to get to this version that all the rest of us benefit from?
2: Yeah, right. We didn't have the cameras rolling when I was, like, sobbing in front of the dead tomato plant, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I like, do lots of mistakes, lots and lots and lots and lots, and I still do. You know, I think that's also a big thing as you start to learn to grow your own food. Have a lot of forgiveness with yourself. I mean, even commercial agriculture, they typically lose 30 to 50% of their crop every year. It's just a, a part of the game, right? To to grow, you know, to plant two or three times more than you need because you, you're probably going to lose some, right? But yeah, thousands, maybe. Actually, that was some of the best feedback on the videos. People said, you know, you 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 put a lot of your mistakes in there, and I was like, yeah, might as well, you know.
1: <laughs> might as well tell us what not
2: to do. <laughs> we
1: can make brand new might, mistakes. You know,
2: might, might as well, well save you some time, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. What foods should someone start with when they're growing their foods?
2: What should I'm sorry I didn't I missed the first part. What of that?
1: food should they start with? Like I would want to start with strawberries, but I don't know if that's an easy thing or a hard thing. Or, you know, um, some people like corn or, or whatever. I mean, what foods are the easiest to grow for somebody who's just starting? What would they begin with?
2: Well, yeah, there are some good beginning ones, and it's going to depend on your season. Like right now, as it's starting to turn cold, things like you know peas are really easy to grow. Carrots are pretty straightforward to grow. Um, you know, these are the cold season things. A lot of the different greens are pretty easy to grow and lettuce. I think the biggest thing about um, what you want to grow is um, what do you really like the most? You know, what is your favorite thing? Because, you know, that's going to, when you start eating one that you've homegrown yourself, whatever it is, you know, whether it's corn or peas, or, oh, my goodness, you're going to have a totally different relationship with growing that the next season. You know, it's well, going to be good. I know but, it's um, a child. You know, also, uh, People might think about um, eggs and getting a small flock of chickens as their first food source that they grow. You know, that's a real good way to go, too.
1: I was just at a farmer's market, and this guy was selling chickens. And I thought, yeah, I'd take them home, but I don't have a coop, and I don't have anything else. And there's a whole lot of knowledge there that needs to go first. But I remember as a young child, uh, my dad cleared some land because I wanted to grow foods. And the lettuce, and he helped me because he had grown up on a farm. And the lettuce that we grew was so good that we would come back and just make a lettuce sandwich. And I thought that was the best thing. Don't waste it. Don't put anything else in it. Just that lettuce was so yummy that we ate a, lemon. a lettuce sandwich. Was our, you know, my favorite sandwich at the time.
2: Nice. And and you are you are very wise for not just buying chickens and bringing them home when you don't have a coop or water because. Setting it up ahead of time is is really good advice. <laughs> but I love lettuce, too, and I love growing my own lettuce. You know, the food that you grow yourself, you can, you can have soil that's so much more nutrient-dense and rich with minerals and life and biology, and the plants you grow will be so much more vibrant. And your taste buds know when there's like really high-quality minerals in the food and, um, it, it, that's what makes it taste so good, and that's why. Well, I eat and it's also
1: that you don't have to eat as yeah. much to get full because your body's saying it's getting nutrition and it doesn't keep you hungry. You know, real quickly, because we're almost out of time of this segment, do you know how much an average person spends on groceries a year?
2: I believe that it's about fifteen thousand dollars a year for I think that is. For a family of four, I'm not sure. I don't know, Serone. Sorry about that. Yeah, but it's no, a that's lot.
1: okay. I just thought it would be interesting, you know, uh, to know that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so stay tuned to know the name, know the genius in you. After the break, we'll find out what Marjorie Wildcraft has in her name. that assisted her that you may have in your name as well. The earth is under
4: ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself? finding safe passage through challenging times. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family.
3: Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Guilde Wiyaka, X minus One, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X Broadcast Network by calling? Two one three four zero one zero zero eight zero. Courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone app or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call two one three. to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365.
6: Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time?
4: truth. Historically, we viewed things as either being true or false. Now, as we enter a more expansive era, we find the question is not, is it true, but rather, how true is it? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of the Science of Magic Radio, a syndicated, internationally broadcast radio program dedicated to uncovering this ever-expanding truth. Join me daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview today's leading experts from the fields of science and magic, to uncover the hidden truth between the lines drawn in the sand. What we unearth in our discussions is not only amazing, but totally unprecedented. You won't want to miss a single episode. In service to our listeners, past episodes can always be found on our website with our compliments at thescienceofmagic.net.
1: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Marjorie Wildcraft, whose website is thegrownetwork.com. So suppose someone's never grown anything nor spent time gardening and absolutely has no experience about growing anything. What would be the first thing this person would do to go about growing one's food um, along with getting your video that's going to tell them?
2: Well, um, yeah, the video is a really good start. Um, And I would like to recommend thinking about, um, you know, everybody thinks always growing your own food. They think about gardens. But, you know, you might think about um, having chickens for eggs. It's a great, great food source, and it's really a delightful way to go and a lot of fun. Um, So, you know, not just necessarily thinking always always of plants. And to be honest with you, gardening... uh, there's like several, There's lots of different ways to grow food, and, I, and although I think everybody should be having some annual gardening and you should have that experience, there's a lot of other things. You, can, you could raise rabbits for meat. Uh, you could raise fish uh, for, for food. You could do aqua hydroponic system with fish and plants, or you could, you know, my, I think, you know, people really, chickens are a great food source, or, or maybe up in the more northern climates, ducks, for eggs. Um, it's um, you know I think it's a lot easier to get set up with that than a garden sometimes, but if you want to talk specifically about garden, I can do that too. <laughs>
1: so okay, so how do you determine how much land it takes to grow enough food for, say, a family of four versus just one person?:
2: Well, um, there's a guy named John Jevons who did a lot of research on this, and he has developed a diet uh, a gardening method called the Grow biointensive. Gardening method, and he asked this very same question: Is what is the minimum amount of land you need in order to produce food for one person? Right, you know, and um, he determined that it, it's about a quarter of an acre of gardens, uh, 40, 100 square foot beds, and uh, so that's you know, uh, uh, 4,000 square feet. But then you need paths and. You know, rooms for tools and stuff like that. So really about a, a quarter of an acre um per person. Um, I will say that that that's also a sustainable diet where you're you're growing a lot of compost and it really is a a thing. In my experience for a family of four, you know an an acre or two acres of land is is a lot. And in my experience of of working land, you don't really want more than two acres. because It will wear you out. I mean, really, it's a lot of land to work when you're really working it. But yeah, you know, having some livestock, having uh, you know an orchard, having some garden areas, maybe having a pond with some fish. You know, you, you you want as much diversity as possible. Doesn't it's a surprisingly little amount of land, isn't it? You know, I mean, a lot of people well, have a Well, I live acres, on an, an
1: the- acre, and I I look at that acre and I think that's a whole lot of land to keep up with, and that's just one acre.
2: It sure is. Yeah. You can grow a lot in an acre. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, are there
1: any government regulations that help us or hurt us when we decide to grow our own food?
2: Well, um, you know, fortunately the government hasn't gotten too involved in that yet, and that's actually one of the reasons we don't deal with commercial farming. You know, the Grow Network, we encourage people to have little small side stream businesses, like you can make a little money saving seeds or maybe developing a variety or a breed of a chicken or a rabbit or something. And There's all these little side streams of income that we we encourage people on, but we're really not about uh, commercial growing because that does start to get in bunch with a a bunch of government regulations. And for the most part, you know, growing your own food is still... um, still pretty regulation-free, thank goodness, right? There's something still left. There are some cases where people have been harassed, but I think that those are, you know, just one-off. They're not, it's not a trend.
1: So if somebody's going to start from scratch and start growing some food, how much money should they have to start with? What is it like an initial investment? What's it going to cost?
2: Well, here's the cool thing, is you could do it for nothing if you wanted to. Uh, really. I mean there's a tons of materials out there that can be recycled and lots of ways to do things like making raised beds with old you know stuff from from construction sites or uh, and then making your own soil is something you're going to be doing always. So there's one way to do it. Um, realistically, for people who do more resources, they often don't have the time. so for them to have somebody else build it or or buy something and then maybe just buy the soil and good soil. And buy the starts, um, you know, I, I, just just grow whatever way you can grow. And, and that's going to be expensive. Um, but, you know, that's if that's what you can do, if that's what works for you, and a lot of people who have a lot of money often don't have time, then let them go for that, right? <laughs>
1: right. Well, has there ever been an environment where you just couldn't grow food or it was just nearly impossible because of the soil or anything?
2: Well, there are some really, really tough environments on this planet. That's for sure. You know, um, Death Valley and the Mojave Desert, and you know, really, water is is one of the biggest um, issues in, in in growing food. Years ago, I used to live in Hong Kong, and then I moved out here to Texas. And one of my Chinese friends, Alan Kwan, real dear friend, came to visit, and we picked him up at the airport, and we're driving way out in the countryside, and he goes. Look at all this land you have. You could have millions and millions of Chinese out here. And I said, it looks good, Alan, doesn't it? But I'll tell you what, there's not much water. Like those people wouldn't be drinking much, if, you know. Even though we got a lot of land, we couldn't really support a large population because there's not water. So water is usually the limiting factor. Um, but given that, there's also, you know, there's a lot you can do in almost any environment.
1: Which is really encouraging, you know. You've worked with universities, uh, missionary organizations, NGOs, and that are dedicated to teaching people how to grow their own food. And your video has sold over three hundred thousand copies. The last time I checked, and it was being used in more than thirty countries around the world. Thanks to your continual work to help others, is is that enough, or is that expanding more? And and what's going on in that area? Because I know that your work has helped.
2: So many people around the world. Yeah, that was was pretty amazing to have that. You know, I mean, you think about it, a a video on growing food, like really, that many people liked it? I was like, woo, that's amazing, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love the title, too, Grow Your Own Groceries. I just think that is the coolest title that really gets it across right away that this is what you want to be doing.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we just, the Grow Network is the organization that I founded, and it is now the online home of a global community of people who are producing their own food and medicine. And, um, you know, the team I have is ra- rapidly expanding. There's, um, uh, let's see, 7 eight full-time people work the Grow Network now, and we're, we're, we're bringing more people on to the team. Um, so, you know, it's really fun to be the CEO of a, just a really quickly growing um, company in an industry that's just, um, you know like this is what, like who doesn't want to work for the grow network you know i mean we're doing the most coolest work on the planet right so we have a whole vision for uh how to take somebody who doesn't know anything about growing food through all the steps of what you need maybe a small planter garden and then a raised bed garden and then maybe some chickens and some rabbits and permaculture certifications and other classes to help support you all the way to you know You've been doing this for 20 or 30 years, and and in your elder years, you're breeding your own varieties of vegetables, and you're you're breeding your own varieties of livestock, which is an incredible gift. It's a legacy gift because then, you know, that's where all of our heirloom seeds came from was people who developed their own varieties, just individuals like you and me. I mean, none of the heirloom seeds came from a company. They were all, uh, you know, individual farmers and gardeners. And you to be able to come up with, you know, like the Sharon tomato or, you know, maybe it's a tomato. It's a tomato that does really well in the heat and doesn't need that much water and it's super resilient. And there are people that have bred squashes because they're real good to store, you know, they're like all the different contests we used to have. And we need to develop people who, you know, we need to reestablish that again in our collective. So that is you know, the objective of the Grow Network is to take people from knowing nothing to where they're creating legacies for themselves and their community by by helping to contribute to the well, genetic pool.
1: I realize, too, that you're helping people now learn how to uh, fix their teeth or or help their teeth and everything without ever needing to go to a dentist. So that's a it's a, along the same line as what you've been doing before, but it's a, a different area now. And how wonderful if you never had to spend money on a dentist.
2: We got all kinds of cool stuff going. I mean, the Grow Network is just all about producing your own food and medicine and taking back your own health and your own independence. And, you know, dentists are like, good Lord, somebody needs to break into that region, right? You know, so we went for it and we found some really awesome materials that just aren't available anywhere. And you just go over to thegrownetwork.com, sign up for our newsletter, and we will keep you up to date on all the really cool and interesting projects that we're doing. But it's all about being healthier and being more self-reliant.
1: Well, I remember when I was traveling in Mali, Africa, and they used this branch, and everybody was walking around with this branch, and then they'd use it, and they'd rub it against their teeth. And they had the whitest, brightest, most healthy teeth I had ever seen anywhere, and no toothpaste existed, and no toothbrushes existed. It was just this stick um, from a plant that oozed this white stuff, and they would all use it, and they had beautiful teeth. And I thought, you know how many people in a Western society have problems with teeth and teeth cracking or breaking or whatnot, and yet these guys, I mean, it didn't even exist for them. I mean, they would have thought we were crazy with toothpaste and toothbrushes and everything. Anyway, Marjorie, I want to thank you so much for being on our show with us tonight. Okay, guys, be prepared and surprised when you realize how easy Marjorie has made growing her food. Her website is thegrownetwork.com. Her goal is homegrown food on every table, and her motto is everyone can grow their own groceries. Marjorie is able to manifest what she wants by keeping her focus on her goal. Some people are naturally really good at manifesting their dreams and work relentlessly in that direction. This is evidenced by the letter M in Marjorie's name, that first letter. And if your name starts with the letter M, you too have that ability to manifest your dreams. Your dreams can come true, so plan your work and work your plan. Do you want to know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyatt, host of the radio show Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every weekday at various hours right here on XZBN.net radio and XZone radio station. And if you wish to know more about names, go to know.